When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to From the Pink Seats Podcast of the State of Louisville Podcast Network. Now, here's your host, Jacob Lane, Matt McGavin, and Vince Lococo. It is a beautiful night here in Louisville as we get together on Wednesday, September the 20th. Jacob Lane, Vince Lococo, Matt McGavick from the Pink Seats Podcast. Louisville football is 3-0. and Gentlemen, welcome into the show. Vince, how are you, buddy? Oh, I'm doing well. Just, you know, down to a refreshing cup of coffee that I'm officially raw dogging it in my coffee pot and have no coffee filters. So I'm just straight getting grounds and it's really strong, really bitter. It's going down though. Is it crunchy? You got a little crunch in there, man. A couple it bites. It's almost like getting a snack. It too. adds texture. I mean, yeah. Starbucks adds little cookie crumbles to the top of their stuff sometimes, so it's kind of the same thing. There you <laughs> go. Paper towels, great resource for you if you don't have coffee filters. Uh, yes. But yes. yes, my mom's gonna hear this and be like, "Why don't you have paper towels?" So, you're, yeah, you're <laughs> out of paper towels. So <laughs> that, not napkins. Don't use a napkin, or else you will be Toilet drinking. Paper? Uh, I mean, hey, if you guys, if it's like Charmin or Up, if it's like you know, like some of the cheap brands, good luck, buddy. That shit can't great even value. Hold. Matt, how are you, man? Good to see you. You really look like you are here for BC this week. Like, just your whole persona is BC. Yeah, j- get, get all the jokes out now. Hey, Phil Dracovic is no longer here, so my allegiance is gone. No, Fuckers. but Thomas Castellano is the upgrade that we all didn't know that BC needed, uh, and we're going to get into all the BC shenanigans tonight. But when I say Matt's pulling a bc week the the minimal effort tonight and and dress and just situation he's eating his fingernails like this is just behind the scenes matt gavick matt McGavick here <laughs> putting up a true bc week effort on the show as we get started but hey global football is three and oh and we've got a lot to talk about here tonight uh, as we welcome you in again from the pink seats podcast subscribe anywhere you get your shows from Brought to you by the State of Louisville Podcast Network. And, of course, powered by our friends over at Manscaped and Kern's Corner, home to the best burger in the city of Louisville. I will fight you, and I will probably lose. But still, I will say I'll best be burger I in the city. I got Vince, man. Give us a follow on Twitter at Pink Seeds Pod, at the State of Lou, at UofL Report. Of course, check out Matt's work there. Steady grinding, man. Always, always news. Uh, today's news is – it's been a funny news day, just Louisville sports-wise. Like, just the the – News of Trenton Flowers. I know this has nothing to do with football. That was hilarious. Just, that it's was, like, we got, I mean, this, like, this is my shocked face. This is my shocked face, y'all. Oh my gosh, he's not a point guard. Holy uh, Moses. Yeah, I am no. stunned, you guys. Whatever <laughs> happened to dudes just being hoopers, man? Like, I feel like dudes just aren't hoopers anymore. 
<laughs> he's picking late. He's a hooper. Man. He's he's just trying to play a position that he really should not be playing anymore. Would that'd be but... like me trying to force my way into the quarterback room. Be like, guys, I can throw the ball. I swear. Just give me a shot. I think that'd it like would be me, that'd like be, me trying to be a slot receiver. Yeah, but no, I think like it would be more like if you walked into the running back room, like because there's still like a little <laughs> bit of translatability, like it's still somewhat pair, like the it's similar. You know, it's <laughs> You're just missing like, the basic requirements. The fullbacks were in the running back room with Colby Smith and Petrino and those guys, and I had to do like the running back footwork drills. I mean, it w- it looked like a fucking comedy skit out there. You see a dude like Brandon Radcliffe go through it, and I'm like, all right, all right, cool. No, zero rhythm, nothing like that. Trying to count my head, counting my steps, one, two, three, step, one, two, three, step. Still couldn't get it. Yeah, man. And speaking of step one, two, three, I know this is kind of further down in our list of like football topics here, but how about if I got put into a game, right? Even if it was just like to take a knee or if it was to QB sneak for some for you know, sake and reason a coach trusted me enough, I might look like what Jordan loved it. I don't know if you all saw that where he essentially tried to line up under center to take a quick snap and stumbled and fell into his offensive lineman and knocked both of them forward into the defensive lineman and got an offsides penalty for the Packers. Oh, uh, that's what, <laughs> yeah, that's just, it's, I mean, tough week. It's a real pros versus Joe's. That's moment. what you would look like. I would imagine in the running backs room. I mean, Bra- Bryce book. Young too. Bryce Young this week lined up in shotgun behind the guard. <laughs> like, I did yeah. see that. That was I funny. Mean, in his defense, he, rookie quarterback turned in to scan the field and the defense, you know, but. And I would imagine that bad. all five of those butts that are, you know, right in front of him as he stands up and looks back down to figure out a situation, what's going on, probably very similar. Like, I'm sure the, the right guard's butt and the center's butt are not too far off to where when he's looking down, like it's not that big of a mistake. It's I need know, this as an out-of-context clip. Expeditiously. <laughs> analyze that for me next week, Jacob, and bring me a write-up or PowerPoint. Jacob's game notes. I'm going to just start yeah. each week, start the show with my game notes of the silliest things that happened across football. A lot of good football this past weekend. Uh, we got a number of topics here that we can kind of run through. I will say, man, Colorado is going to, like, it is only week four of college football. We just came out of week three. For Colorado to play Colorado State and have the fit most streamed game in ESPN college football history. Like at 1030 at night on ESPN, you're talking about a Pac-12 game. Like the Pac-12 may have disbanded. Against Colorado State. I know, man. Deion Sanders may have been the the savior that they needed out there in the Pac-2. I mean, it's just, it's insane (laughs) that people stayed awake to watch that. And it was just, the whole thing is a show. Like the whole Colorado Top to top to bottom, from the social media clips to the sunglasses to the the pre the pregame fights. I mean, don't the get me wrong. That yeah, the, the number of celebrity Kawhi Leonard was there. Like I saw a tweet that Kawhi Leonard doesn't even play in Clippers games, and he's out. Yeah, of Colorado. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Freaking Kawhi doesn't even show up to his own games. <laughs> Freaking hysterical. But I mean, college football. Like I saw today that they put out the new, I think it was on three that put out the new evaluations for NIL. And I I told you guys a couple of weeks ago, Shadur Sanders is the face of college football right now. Like it's not even close. And the, the financial valuation, I think he's worth like $5 million this year. I believe alone. It. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. And the streaming numbers show that it's insane. Um, and and my favorite thing to come out of Colorado, there's been a lot of great content, but we got to talk about this, the, the, the kiddos ranking that Deion Sanders has unveiled that he ranks his kids. <laughs> uh, and look, don't get me wrong. Like I love my kids, but I get where he's, I get where he's coming from, man. You asked me, you know, one particular day, <laughs> that Flipping given time. For Liam <laughs> yeah. and Ruby when they're like 
16. Yeah. <laughs> Ruby wants the answer to be that I she's my favorite at all times, no matter what. Like that's just the five year old uh, in her. But with with Liam, man, there's days where you know he's the best, and then there's days where he's the worst. And if I got if, if my wife asked me at the end of the day, where are you ranking them? Some days they're not equal. They're not on equal playing ground. Uh, but it's just really funny to see to see the, some of the responses to that of like. And I sent it to my mom, and of course my my mom didn't think that was funny. Like you know, I bet yeah, your mom probably lecture. would think you that got was lectured funny. for sure. <laughs> I bet your dad th- would think that was funny though. I bet your dad probably rates you and your sister. No, like, my dad would literally send a one Anna to Vincent and be like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's not changing. Uh, but yeah, that was hysterical. And how about in that same game, the 31 year old kicker with three kids from Colorado state. So you're telling me I have a chance. Wow. I have a chance. No, there was a guy older than Mark Vesson out there on the field. Yeah. He's got a mortgage. Man. <laughs> I mean, you got three kids. He's not living in an apartment. I feel like Mark, Mark Vassett lived in an apartment. I, that joke was Club funny the first time he Club wasn't buying yeah. no damn house. Yeah. yeah. But I think this guy, he might have a house and a couple I, of cars. Do you think I, he works I, a day job? Like, is that allowed? But my thing is with this whole Colorado, like, I'm not going to call it a fiasco, but the whole thing going on with Prime and stuff, like, I'm so shocked that people are surprised or even, like, really doubted him and, like, how good he was going to be as a head coach, uh, even coming up from the HBCU. I mean, he's one of the smartest football, football minds of all time. I mean, football figures itself out, especially whenever you apply yourself the way Dion does and the way he forces his kids to apply them. I mean, Shadur was out there. Not Shadur, but uh, Shiloh was out there in the spring in full equipment in the indoor by himself doing individual work. And you usually only see guys doing stuff like that in like shorts and T-shirt and cleats, but he was in from head to toe, you know, helmet to cleats. Let me ask you this question, fellas. In your opinion, knowing what you know now, I bet neither one of you probably, and I don't even know Colorado's schedule outside of the fact that they play uh, Oregon this weekend, but is Colorado – a legitimate playoff team, in your opinion? I know that's a wild question, but it, next it, year, next year, next, next year, I think so. 100%. But, but right now, I don't think so, just because I mean, the defense they they gave up a, a lot of points against Colorado State to a team that they shouldn't have given up that many points. They gave up 40, was it 42, 45 to TCU, something like that. And TCU yeah. isn't that great this season. I mean, offensively. They're fantastic. I mean, Shadur Sanders looks fantastic. And I've watched a couple of Colorado games. It's it's not just Shadur Sanders and Travis Hunter. Uh, Xavier Weaver yeah, is yeah. really good. Kavassier is really good. Forgot that Kavassier Smoke's out there. Yeah. But that that running back, Dylan Edwards, he's really good. The yes, O-line yeah, has yeah. done a spectacular job considering it's all newcomers. The defense outside of Travis, Shiloh, and a couple other guys, not that great. So it's probably going to be another year before Colorado can be legitimately in the playoff conversation. But I mean, at the the way he's recruiting and the way you can bring in talent through the portal, I wouldn't put it past him. I mean, prime, I mean, this from the second that he got the job, five-star recruits, five-star quote unquote transfers. They were, they were all interested and they all wanted to play. Uh, it was just a matter of heading into the season. Were they going to be able to all act as one cohesive unit it was never a question of talents, which makes it crazy that I saw several people out there say, oh, Colorado's got the worst roster in college football. And that that's just blatant haterism. That that was just false. Like they had <laughs> pretty talent. dumb. Yeah, no, I and I saw a couple of people out there in, in the national media say that, which is just dumb. They have talent. It was just a matter of if it all came together. I thought they would be 
good. I didn't think they'd be this good. Is this what uh, everyone thought Kenny Payne was going to do to basketball? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, certainly, certainly seems like it. I yeah. saw somebody ask the question. On <laughs> I'm Twitter, just asking like, questions, guys. This is a football show. <laughs> what what college basketball player could come in and do what what Prime is doing? Uh, and it's certainly not Kenny Payne. I know that. That's the answer to that question. Uh, I'm not saying that he can't be a good coach, but I mean, moving on, could, Lamar Jackson. Moving on, yeah. <laughs> Hold on, one real quick. Colorado plays nine more Pac-12 games. Nine more games. They're all Pac-12 games. Where I'm trying to get at. Six of those games are against top 25 teams. The Pac-12 this year is just... They're going out on a high note, by God. <laughs> they really are, man. <laughs> they are freaking loaded. But yeah, the NFL time. How about Lamar? What about that, man? That was a hell of a game. A lot of fun to watch. And he finally, uh, in my opinion, like the eye test. I, I told you guys last week, I just felt like he's winning games. Obviously, he was 8-2, and 9-2 and two now in his, in his last 11. Now, I think 10-2 and two in his last 12. But... The eye test looked a little different this weekend. Those some of those those passes, man. I mean, we've all known Lamar was a, a great downfield passer. The North Carolina pass back in 2017, hands down, my favorite throw ever from Lamar Jackson. Um, and this weekend, I mean, some of those throws, the the third down conversion, I think it was to Zay Flowers, where he just kind of you know just really just kind of put some loft underneath and let the ball just kind of arch in. It was still arm. on a zip though. It's so wild. Like his balls are still very much on a on a zip whenever it's in there. And your balls could be on a zip too with Manscaped. Uh, pink use the code Pink Seats at checkout twenty percent off. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. The 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 balls coming out uh, looked a little bit different for Lamar this past week, and really against Houston they did too. But the weapons, you know, I know Adele went out, but Zay, Rashad Bateman, they're even missing um, uh, Dobbins and Gus Edwards, Justice Hill, both stepped up. Mark Andrews back healthy. Ravens are – there's a lot of good teams in the NFL. A lot of you know, good teams. really so sucks far. is uh, still losing your fantasy with having Lamar put up that. And, you know, it's only because you have OBJ and Brees Hall, who for whatever reason is on pitch count. And, oh, oh, you play the Steelers defense on Monday night. So, I mean, of course, they put up like 20 points. I mean – of yeah. course. So See, Owen, I've, Owen I've got Tyreek into it. Oh yeah, so. we're Owen too, but we still drafted Lamar first in the first round. So we're, I mean, we're riding with him. Ride we or ride die, the baby. That's right. Matt, go ahead, give us the update. I know we're we're all waiting for it. What do we got? Two, two and oh. zero, baby. Me and you, a little virtual fist bump here. Winners Bam. club only, man. Winners club only. <laughs> <laughs> How about two two Atwell though? Two two and Puka, man. That's a hey. hell of a combo that nobody expected. Best wide receiver naming duo in the NFL by, by chance. Yeah, it's, it's got to be up there. So. Yeah, I mean, when you have a name like Puka Nakua, I mean, it's 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 just a badass name. I'm, We're gonna talk not, about never this. mind the never mind the fact that he's had the most receptions through the first two games of an NFL career period. What was it, like 25, 29, something like that, something ridiculous like that. Like yeah, he's I, he looks like a seasoned veteran out there. It, it's been a lot of fun to watch that. Yeah, he, he did. Look, here's the thing about Tutu, and I was trying to tell my buddy this with Tutu and why he should be a starter at least until Cooper Cups comes back and you can reevaluate then. Tutu had eight targets in week one. I think he had six or seven this past weekend, nine. maybe nine. Okay, thank you. Uh, that's for somebody who rarely got targeted at all the last couple of years outside of those gadget plays and then the deep, the deep goes. It's really refreshing to see Tutu, and it's Vince, I don't know, maybe you you watched a little bit of that game. I'm a Red Zone channel watcher and just catch highlights, but Tutu's route running looks more refined this year. He looks like he is just kind of come into his own as a wide receiver in the NFL. Well, I'm sure it's a combination of being healthy in the offseason. I don't know how healthy he's been the past couple of years. Uh, you know, getting out there, throwing with Matt Stafford, and learning that Sean McVay offense. I mean, his playbook is, I'm sure, dumb thick, 
and and it's just it's one of those that gets sat on your desk i'm sure and saw one where you're like holy shit like welcome to the nfl you're getting a whole you know paragraph and a half for just one play so i'm sure he just understanding being a lot more comfortable out there on the field i mean he put up he had 77 yards and he had 119 the week before that it's almost like you could trade an aging cooper cup and you know, Ooh. get more valuation. We'll see. Ride with we'll your younger talent. Well, it's working. It's working. I mean, base, pretty smart guy. It'll be, in- it'll be interesting to see how that, how they decide to divvy up those wide receiver snaps once Cooper Cup comes back. I mean, like Cooper Cup, I mean, he's fresh off of having the receiving triple crown. He's two years ago. Was it two? Oh, it was two years yeah, ago. I'm sorry. Two years ago. I thought it was last year. I'm sorry. I had a brain fart, but still, yeah. he's still pretty good. Yeah, very good. Uh, when healthy, that's the key. But the Rams, not bad. 2-0. I mean, I don't think anybody saw that coming. Uh, and we'll see what it looks like as Cooper Cup gets healthy. Maybe that's a, a team to watch out for. But uh, enough of uh, other teams that aren't Louisville. Let's go ahead. Let's transition in, into what you came here to hear. And that is uh, a recap of what went down this past weekend in Indianapolis at Lucas Oil Stadium. Looked like a, a okay turnout. A lot of a lot of red, but it was hard to tell in pockets sometimes what red that was. Now, I will say that just based off cheering alone, because you you can kind of tell during pregame intros whenever the fans would cheer for the respective teams coming out, there were far more local fans than there were RU fans there. I would say 65, 35, maybe 70, 30, like close to that. It, it was definitely a Louisville-friendly crowd, that's for sure. Yeah, Got that's why. Nice, I was... uh brisket nachos at the game. I mean, it, I mean it's pretty good. Nice. I had a good view. Got to got to sit up like how I, I, I normally do. You guys know, know how I like to view football games. Anything else? You get a beer? Uh Snacks? did not get a beer. Got a water. Got a beer beforehand. Beer wow. and drink at Brothers cost me uh roughly about twenty two dollars. So I oh said uh God. F that. I will wait till gaslight. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah, I mean, like the, the pricing of beer, we got to talk about how outrageous it's getting. I mean, like I get we all want to make money and capitalism is king in America. But like, what are we doing charging 1125? It, it was like a Arthur mixed drink and a Coors Light. And plus my tip, it was like twenty something dollars. I was like, what are we doing over here? But this isn't a Brothers Haters podcast. We're No, uh, that's right. <laughs> that's right. It is an, uh, an Indianapolis love affair podcast because uh, I do love the city of Indianapolis. I'm not going to lie. I didn't get to go this past weekend, but there's a lot of great things to do. I don't know if any of the, our listeners checked out maybe the Children's Museum. Great place to go in Indy. Pacers games, a lot of fun. Colts games. Uh, of course, this is the game, though. That's what people went up there for. In terms of what we saw with Louisville this past weekend, I mean, look, you get an Indiana team that, like I, I mentioned, was picked to – Finished last in the in the Big Ten, not one that uh, many really predicted to do much, but still considering what happened with Georgia Tech with some of the mishaps and then just some of the, the, the bumpiness of the Murray State first half, you wanted to see Louisville work through some of those issues. Uh, and they did. They did it at, in chunks, in chunks, but uh, probably walked out with some more questions than we'd had answers uh, from that game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's just, let's go ahead and jump right in. As you know, by now, uh, close game for Louisville, 21 to 14, 21 to, to nothing at halftime. They uh, allow Indiana to come out, score uh, enough points to keep it close. And, and what was really interesting is that game had a big 10 feel to it of that score, but it was more entertaining than what you would expect from like an Iowa, Indiana game. I mean, it was up and down the field. They certainly moved the ball. There was certain, there was a lack of scoring, but they did not struggle to move the ball either team. 
So let's just let's go ahead and let's just jump right into it. We're gonna have Vince's game notes back. Let's jump into <laughs> Vince's game notes. Vince, let's let's walk through what we saw because there is certainly a wa- a lot to talk through in this one. It's time to get down to brass tacks. It's Vince's game notes with Vincent Lacoco. Well, Plummer, for one, it was awesome to see him being able to use his legs and get out of the pocket. Uh, being able to create more plays downfield with in the past of Malik, we've seen guys, we've seen him, you know, if he's getting out of the pocket, his eyes are down and he is looking to run the ball. Whereas Jack, you know, it's pretty nice to see him look down the field uh, to extend the play and make more plays. It's really unfortunate, though, because I feel like he gets out of like out of his fundamentals whenever he's out of the pocket and moving like that. You saw him with that deep ball to thrash, right? And watch his back leg whenever he throws that deep ball to thrash. It's almost like, I, I don't know, it's not it's not a step in. It seems like he's almost off platform when he's throwing the ball. And you saw it in the interception. And not only was that a bad ball, a bad, like, don't throw it there moment, it, it was just bad fundamentals. And it's stuff that, you know, it's kind of surprising to see a quarterback of this age throwing like that. And it's kind of surprising to see Brian and Jeff not correcting that. It just doesn't seem – I don't know if you guys have seen it at all. Have you all noticed that, like, back leg, it doesn't seem like it is a very stable platform step and deliver the ball downfield. Like, he get 10 more yards, but he's, like, trying to, like, like <laughs> get it all. Body yeah. Rocket yeah, you know what man. I mean? Like, yeah, he's trying yeah. to, like, get it all. See, my my – Biggest thing with Plummer with at this point, I mean, we we've heard all offseason with how cerebral of a quarterback he is, and he has demonstrated through the first three yeah, games of the season that moments? he's 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 had great. He's been great with his decision making by and large. But my biggest quandary with him is that whenever it pertains to um, holding the ball too long, choosing when to throw or run. Cause we saw on that interception to Kevin Coleman, which really shouldn't have been an interception. He probably should have tucked it and ran. And then there have been a couple, I think two times this season. I know it happened once in the Indiana game, how, um, he's scrambling and he doesn't get far enough outside of the tackle box or, you know, something to, of that nature. And he throws for a, a um, an intentional grounding penalty. He's yeah, done that, that a couple one, times now. That one was bad with the left hand throw, yeah. whatever that yeah. was. That's something that you just don't really. I mean, that's. that's What's, I'm sure he got his ass ripped in the QB room for that one. Oh, I'm sure. I, I, it, I doubt he will make that mistake ever again, at least for our team. What's the rule? He was out of the pocket. I don't understand what the problem is. There was no like receiver or anything so? near there. I thought in, I thought the rule was as long as you're out of the pocket, you can throw the ball away without a receiver being near the ball. I thought that was – am I wrong on the rules there? Because I thought that's always been the rule. That's definitely the NFL rule. I, I was curious on that penalty if there's a different college football rule for intentional grounding because he was outside of the pocket. I don't understand yes. what the problem is, man. That's, that's, that's a good point. Yeah, I didn't yeah, think about that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He, was, he, was in, he was very much outside of the tackle box. Um, terrible. Just take the hit. grounding rule from the NCAA: An offensive player can't throw a forward pass if his entire body is beyond the line of scrimmage. The one offense, the one offense can't throw two forward passes on any play. The defense can't throw one, and there can't be a forward pass after a change of possession on a given play. I, I, the, the first part is probably all that was relevant there, and I don't think it told me anything. Oh, yeah, I think that's a different rule that you're looking up. Yeah, there. the great forward pass. Intentional grounding, right? 
Can you imagine if somebody just intercepted the ball and just rocket launched it? Yeah, Yeah, I I don't know what the rule is, but I thought that penalty was very interesting um, with Jack. Also, before I, and I'll let you go back into it because there was a lot there. There was a lot from Jack in this game. I just what stood out to me the most was the running and how clutch, particularly on that last drive, those two first down runs. His awareness is hit or miss time to time, but when he runs, he typically is able to get what he needs. He had one in the first half as well in the first. I think it was either one of the first, the first or second drive where he ran and rolled out left and ended up cutting back right and sliding and getting just enough for a first down. And if I'm not mistaken, they might've scored shortly thereafter. I can't remember exactly how that, the chain of events there went, but his running was not, I mean, we weren't sold on him as a runner and he's really, it's really interesting on the broadcast and in, in game one, we've seen them go to the run game with Jack when he needs confidence. That's a confidence builder for him, which is just really interesting. You don't, I mean, it's you don't kind see of, that a lot with pocket it, passers. It reminds me of like a almost need. I need to get that first hit, need to get a lick or something like that. I need to feel some contact. Yeah. Jack seems kind of like a Baker Mayfield-ish personality of like a hmm. – I don't know, just his vibe of like the way he plays. He seems like a gamer. Like he just enjoys. The, I, don't, I don't know. It's just a different... like your nerves don't get settled until you get hit. Yeah, like something like that. Like he doesn't. It seems like he wouldn't mind lowering his shoulder, although he slid on that. Like if he had to get a yard, yeah, that's true yeah. to get the first down. I don't. I wouldn't put it out of question for him to lower the shoulder and get the first down. Uh, I don't know, man. That, it's. I like the way he, we're complaining at three and zero. You know, he's playing well enough to win these football games, but we just want to see him take that extra step. That ex- right. It's, right, it's right there. It's and right it's, there. It's bad because everybody can see it. We're like, oh, man, it's just right there. If he just hits this one, if he doesn't make this one mistake, you know, and these this is stuff in bigger games, he's either going to, you know, get it or he's not. And it's going to be the reason, you know, I'm not going to say that the reason we lose a game, but it could be, you know, play into that. And it could be the reason we also win a game at the same time. Yeah, you talked a little bit about the off-platform throws. I made some notes throughout the game and just a couple of passes that I pointed out to Josh Lifson completes and on the on the first drive, Josh's first catch of the season, Jack just throws the ball completely across his body back to the middle of the field. Like that's the number yeah. one no-no with quarterbacks. Do not throw the ball back across the field. Uh, I didn't have a problem with the deep ball to Kevin Coleman. It, I mean, I know it, – Probably should have made a better decision prior to that throw, but come on, Kevin, you got to catch that ball. I mean, it goes back to a couple weeks ago when Michael Irvin and Richard Sherman were arguing about the role of do you catch with your body or your hands? I mean, that ball just hit his chest and bounced right out. I mean, it it felt right as soon as that as as soon as that happened, I thought immediately of like, and Grant Mulligan knows this, like what Gunter Brewer would have been telling us in that meeting room, and he's like, put the he probably would said put this effort on the you know, do not do tape and what, I mean, he didn't pinch his elbows and it's like the little things like that, the small details in football. Like if he just pinches his elbows right there, he has a little bit more structure to be able to, you know, come down with the ball and really secure like the pocket of it. Uh, yeah. Uh, another throw, the the throw on the screen pass to Guriendo that goes to the dirt. That throw made me probably more angry than any throw of the night. It's just, Horrible. It's just horrible. And I get it, it's one play, whatever you move on. But they were uh, trying to utilize that that East West game to try to open things up, uh, and they struggled. They really did struggle with getting that going. They lost on the few plays that Indiana had that was disruptive. It was because Louisville threw the ball behind 
the behind the line of scrimmage or did the fake reverse where Aaron Casey just blew up Jawar and that could have been really badly. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just, it it was things like that, that really that like that kind of throw that drove me nuts because you expect your fifth year quarterback to hit that throw. Like that's a standard stop set throw and the guys open with blocking. Now don't get me wrong. They made a ton of plays doing the same thing. There was a lot of good, a lot of bad. That throw drove me crazy. The IU fan behind me during that reverse play was like, what what is he doing right there? Why is he calling that? And I turned around to him because obviously I was a little little ticked off that that play happened. I was like, you know better than I. It's my first year with this guy. Yeah. And, and <laughs> it's like he's been beating the shit out of you all for years. Before you before we jump into the second part of this with the offense, we can kind of speed through this. I also want to say the wide receivers drop passes. Chris Bell had a ball on his fingertips. Kevin Coleman had one. Kevin Coleman had another one that was knocked out when he had it in possession. Uh, they did drop some balls that would have probably given Jack a 300-yard game, maybe two, three touchdowns. But, again, we continue to see game three, uh, three games in a row. You hit the deep ball, don't make your receiver have to stop and come back, and you have a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Louisville is Louisville is one of the most explosive offensive teams in the country if Jack just puts a little bit more oomph on it. And that's what makes me worry about that mustache, man. Like, is that is what he, he's is trying he, to do? Is, with he, like- is he compensating for not having the mustache to weigh it down? Like, is I, I just, I don't know, man. I just. Yeah, that, that first pass to Thrash was an absolute moon ball. I, I thought for sure it was going to get picked off because it, it spent so much time up in the air. And it, it seems, because we saw in the offseason at the open practices that Jack has an arm. I mean, he doesn't have like a, a massive cannon of an arm but i mean i would say it's above average in terms of you know getting stretching the ball down the field but it seems like he's trying to put way too much touch on those deep shots and he's not putting enough of them on just absolute frozen ropes because he's 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 shown he showed in that game like the that second pass to thrash the one that went for 85 that was on a line that is the kind of deep ball we need to see more from Plummer, and not the ones like the first Throw throw to thrash in that game and a couple other times in the two games prior where he tries to just put a little too much under the ball because if you do that against the tougher teams down the line that's just getting picked off no doubt and I think it's like uh like we mentioned him reading things a, a hair later click too late I mean yeah it could that could play into it he could be just trying to you know he's like oh shit I saw that a second too late I better you know, get a little bit more oomph underneath this one. Did your Bobby Petrino voice come out for a second? No. It no. sounded like, like, oh, I need to get this ball. To the- I swear to God, I thought I heard that you for a second. Don't do that. All right, let's transition here. <laughs> I'm going to take over for this portion. <laughs> Drive number four for Louisville football. Ends in a touchdown, the first touchdown of the year for Mo Turner. And this, to me, was uh, – just I don't know if it was the number of guys that got invo- involved in this drive, the the who of what it was, the play calling. This drive really, for me, set the tone of what Louisville's offense can be. A, a very heavy complement of running backs. They run Isaac Gariendo for four or five plays, several big plays in there, some smaller plays too. Uh, there's some third down conversions, the third and eight pass to Jamari Thrash for 14 yards. Really gets you feeling confident, right? Louisville third down struggles were horrendous coming into this game, and they weren't. Those qualms definitely were not solved in this game. But that play was one where you say, wow, like this offense, if they can execute on third down, they can be dangerous. Amari Huggins, Bruce, hello. It is great to see you, my friend. He finally gets going in this game. And I loved how they used him. Now, don't get me wrong. He had a couple of plays where he went backwards. uh, Probably bad play calls on a couple of those. 
but he had several several plays down the field and the the uh the 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 uh, pass to the numbers i think he runs an out route to the numbers was one of the best throws of the night hands down one of the best throws of the night he had a couple of catches where he was utilized just to specifically move the chains and i like that i mean we haven't seen a lot of amari huggins bruce at all to start the season and he's someone that i've said for the last year plus that he has breakout potential because he has talent he just has to be utilized in the right way the first couple games of the season i was like okay why is he not getting more involved i get that thrash is great i get that coleman has a lot of raw speed and potential there but amari huggins bruce has a role on this team now granted he wasn't used a ton in this game but i did like it how on those short yardage uh downs he they seem to target him specifically with the goal of just simply moving the chains not trying to go for a home run ball or even like a double or a triple they used him to get a single that's going to keep the ball going now my thing with amari is everything with him from this point in my opinion needs to be downfield and when i say downfield i'm not talking like deep i'm saying you know i love the third down stuff i love the short stuff like the six 12 yard routes he does not need to be going behind the line of scrimmage that's Anything all like that. And the reason behind that is because he is looking to score every single time. This is his, what, like third or fourth year in college football? Three years, he exactly. Third year, two of the years, he probably feels like he's wasted. This year, he probably already feels like two games down. He's trying to find a role on the football team now. So I'm sure every time he touches the ball, he's trying to score, which screams, hey, let's get him the ball third and three, third and four, third and six, or even, you know, second, whatever. Something where you can get him the ball over the middle of the field, short, outside the numbers, like Jacob talked about, and where he can get the ball and just get upfield and go because he wants to score. I love that Jack targeted uh, Jamari plenty of times, had Kevin Coleman, obviously, on a couple of those downfield plays, uh, targets Chris Bell on that deep pass, obviously gets uh, Jimmy Callaway one. He gets um, uh, Amari Huggins Bruce going really in the receiving game for the first time. And then Jaden Thompson on this drive as well gets his first catch of the season, first action uh, coming back from injury. This drive, and then they just they 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 come back, man. And when I tell you that Indiana was so tired that Maurice Turner could have done whatever he wanted out there, like they just drug that on. Thirteen plays, seventy-eight yards over six minutes of drive time, and Mo Turner gets in there and he and he finishes with conviction, right? And it it just made me ask myself. Is this the best trio of running backs Louisville's had since like the Michael Bush days? Like when you had Michael Bush, Kobe Smith, Lionel Gates, like this group of three, because look, Juar Jordan, one of the best running backs in the country. We're seeing that. Isaac Gariendo is my favorite player on this team outside of TJ Quinn. I love Isaac Gariendo. He wants nothing he more hard. than to run you the F over all the time. And he is deceptively fast. We have that in common, right? That's one of those things. That's what, <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and I just it's love how they finish it. with, with uh, Mo huh. Turner. Uh, I mean, Mo Turner, physical runner. They just pound the ball. They have drives where they take Jawar off the field entirely. You don't see Jaws for a full drive and a half because they got dudes. As long as they stay healthy, man, this team is fun. That drive, go back and watch it. Drive number four, one of the best drives of the season this it, far. It's cool to see, like, I mean, you don't see any bitching or anything on the sidelines or anything either. It's, you know, one guy on, one guy off. They're slapping each other's uh, helmets and high fives. And, I mean, it's it's cool to see, uh, you know, it's weird not seeing your number one guy out there all the time. I don't know. I don't know if this – I think this might be the best running back since those days, Jacob, but definitely, like, the most under-talked about. Because I feel oh, like yeah. Michael Dyer, like – 
that whole trio, Michael Dyer, yeah. B-Rad, all that. Yeah, Don Brown, right? They, Brown, were, they yeah. were like, oh, my God, we got these two huge run. And, I mean, Michael Dyer didn't play half the year. Uh, D. Brown was suspended under Petrino terms or something like that. And, I mean, Sonoris Perry ends up being the one that goes to the NFL. Like, that was yeah. just the most drunk yeah, running back room yeah, yeah. ever. Like, yeah. yeah, for sure. This this group, they are so fun. My God, I am just on my knees, like, begging at this point to stay healthy. Like, I mean, they can, they can attack you from yeah, they can attack you from a variety of ways. I mean, uh, Jordan is the obvious open field speed home run hitter. Garendo, he's got speed, but he's the biggest back on that roster, and he can just bulldoze guys. He's the strongest runner, so if you've got a short yardage situation, he's going to be the guy there. And Mo Turner's got a, a really good combination of both. He's he's not as talented in either regard as Jordan or Garendo are, but, I mean, he's, he's no slouch either. I mean – I, I think Mo Turner, I mean, once Jaws inevitably leave for the NFL and Garendo, uh, he graduated. I think he graduates after this year. I'm not 100% sure, but I'd have to check that. But I think I'm I'm confident in Mo Turner being the lead back next year just because I always go back to the fact that this man ran stride for stride as a high school senior with Tyree Gill. He's got speed. He just needs to be developed. And so far, he's being developed very nicely. My thing. So I was thinking about this. I know this is slightly off topic. I was thinking about it in the middle of the game, and I was thinking about Ruben Owens at Texas A and M. I haven't kept up with them at all, their stats or anything. I know I was joking on Coach P last year and everything, but or last he game. hasn't gotten hardly any run this to start the season. So that's what I'm kind of thinking. Either. I'm like Brom has showed the ability to, like we said, feed the studs, figure out which guys he needs to get the ball to and win. And, I mean, it's showing in Jaws. It's showing in Isaac. It's showing in Mo. Like, he is not afraid to give his running backs the ball. So, I'm wondering if, you know, he's questioning that decision a little bit. And if other running backs are going to say, you know, I know Brian's known for a pass-heavy offense, but clearly it shows if I'm good enough, he's going to give me the damn ball. I say this tongue-in-cheek, but also kind of seriously. What do you think the odds are that Owens enters the portal after this season? I'll bet you $20 he does. I'm not going to take that bet because I agree with you. So I'm not going to go against that, <laughs> especially with how Texas A&M looks like they're finally going to pony up the cash and Texas fire A&M? Jimbo. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. But uh, yeah, no, it, it, it coaching waiting, Bobby Petrino. Oh God, <laughs> packing the SEC, baby, just where he wanted to be. Jokes Whoa. on you. He knew all along. All right, let's switch to the other side of the ball. And you talk about running backs, and you cannot talk about this Indiana team without freaking talking about Jalen Lucas. Jalen Lucas, I, yeah, dude. I hope talking about somebody entering the portal. Jalen Lucas, right, man, yeah. if you need a place, come play football. Come on down the road, down 65. It's not a great drive, kind of boring. But once you get here, we got you hooked up. It's not Bloomington, baby. Come come you down to shirts, Louisville. Koozies, <laughs> whatever you need. <laughs> we will stock you up. Pink pink seed shirts for days, buddy. But Vince, tell me about this strategy of just doing nothing but throwing the ball to your running backs. I mean, until the second half when they got Donovan McCauley and Cam Camper. But very unfortunate name, Cam Camper. I couldn't stop laughing at that. That is like that's like if your name is John Johnson or you know something like that. <laughs> like just Cam Cam Camper, uh, Vince Vincent. Imagine if your name was Vince Vincent. That's what that, that's what that would be like for you. Uh, but no, it, it was a very um, interesting strategy. What did you well, think? Something about you should be really familiar it? with, Jacob. You have been screaming for you know Scott Satterfield to do it the past three years, and you know you were like you screamed a little bit for it this year with uh with Jeff in week one, or you were proud of him for doing it or whatnot. But I mean, it's a smart decision. It's, it's not hard to, 
it is and it's not hard to guard your running back in the pass and run game because, I mean, if he shoots out, right, say you do a two-back system back there, quarterback and two running backs, you have one running back shoot out to the flat. Well, if you have your linebacker covering him, that's a gap opened up now. If you have the corner come down and cover him, now the corner's in the flats, but your receiver that that corner was on could now, you know, run a go route and you could hit that honey hole we talked about in between the corner and the safety. So, like, there's a multiple different ways that uh, it's positive for the offense to attack when throwing the ball to the running back, which makes it hard for the defense to guard that. And, I mean, shoot, it was definitely a bend on break moment for the entire defense. Who covers – well, help me understand in football terms, right? You, you're lining your – There's multiple different ways you could cover that, Jake. So, I mean, what, what is it, linebacker, safety? I mean, they have they – Well, if have you're in cover one, it's likely going to be so. a linebacker. If you're in, uh, like, your cover two, it's likely going to be your corners. You know, cover three uh, depends on which side, uh, which safety's coming down. They could come down to the flats or they could come down to hook curl. Could be your linebacker. There's multiple different ways that you can cover it. It's just you're likely going to end up giving ground. I mean, it's it is what it is. D, you'll hear defenses say it all the time. We have no issue coming up and making a play on a running back. Uh, you know, we'd rather him get three yards opposed to them getting eight yards on like a dig behind us or something like that. So that's I mean that's kind of how defenses look at it. And unfortunately, it just you just got to get there and make a damn play on the ball. Yeah, I think, you know, that's one of those things where they they probably recognize to some extent the depth at safety wasn't where it needed to be. Now, don't get me wrong. Cameron Kelly, man, kudos to him. Might be the MVP of this game defensively. He played a great game. Great Obviously, pick. that interception, yes, great pick. But he also came up, and, and he looks like a linebacker watching him he was, in real time, man. He, he was looked, all over the he's place big. in that first half. He's, yeah. I don't know if it was just the Big Ten Network. Maybe the TV adds an extra 20 pounds on the Big Ten Network, but it was the, the overflow. Overflow. <laughs> Overflow. Yeah, it adds 20 extra pounds on the overflow. They got the cheap stuff, not the good stuff that only adds 10. But uh, he looked big, man, and he he came down and made some some uh, really nice plays. And and I really – I think that they're – they need to get Josh Minkins healthy. And my God, if they had MJ Griffin, it would be so much fun. But I just – I worry a little bit about the duo of Cameron Kelly and Devin Neal. Um, one, for depth purposes, but two, I just don't necessarily know if they – I feel like there's a lot of overlap with the two of them and what they do well. And I still feel like there's some areas where Louisville is kind of struggling, but we'll get there very early on in the season. Tim R. Kelly, Josh hell back. of a game. Get Josh, get Josh back and things are run a lot. Josh is – Well, he he should be in line to play this week, and at least that's what Brom was insinuating in his weekly press conference. Yeah, I was going to say, good thing we got a reporter. Big J Journalism. Du-du-du. What's the update right here, Mr. Schefter? Matt, 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 Matt Schefter. I mean, I mean, he didn't really go like super, super uh, far into update. Shocker. But he pretty much. Oh, Pop yeah, said. I know. His, his Pop said, what's up to uh, what's up to me after the game? Told me to tell you. Oh, all nice. So yeah, he, pre- he, he pretty much said that like he <laughs> he should be fully healthy. If not fully healthy, he'll be pretty close to it. And he expects him to play. That's really the only update we got. But, you know, it's a good update. So Louisville will take it. Awesome. Yeah, we need it. Uh, and that transitions into the next part of assisting. And Vince, I'll just go ahead and take this portion of it. And that is the momentum coming out of the second half. I felt like that onside kick, as bold as it was, um, it off for Indiana. It was one of those risk it for the biscuit type of moments where Tom Allen said, we got to do something right here. We got to do something. Uh, and I think Louisville score. I know obviously I have nothing to base this off of. It's very taboo, but Louisville scores on that drive, in my opinion, if they get the ball. Like they had the momentum. They score with Jawar. On the Jeff big Brown run, scores right before. 
That's right. I mean, uh, if anything, it delays Indiana's first score and just gives more time for Louisville to you know, like kind of dig their heels in. That That's was right. Like save my job onside kick right there. Oh, I better get this. I better <laughs> hey, get this. Well, look, they certainly didn't win the game, but it, it resulted in over uh, 50 yards of receiving for Jalen Lucas on two plays. He opens that drive with a 23-yarder. Uh, and then Jay, uh, Josh Henderson, who is kind of their bigger physical back, comes in. And Ashton, kudos to them. And we'll get to this next, talking about the pass rush before we transition into talking about next uh, this weekend. But Ashton, nice hit on the run. Um, was there a ton in this game? Like, I, I'm really curious to hear your thoughts, Vince, on this because it was so frustrating for me as the average fan trying to figure out what do we need to do at Lucas Oil to help Matt's Colts not fall down so much? Like, we just need to help them, <laughs> just that alone. But he forces a fumble. It's not a fumble. The play, it, it, regardless, Louisville didn't even, I don't even think they recovered the ball. Jeff Brom challenges it, which if you remember back in the day when it would be like, are you sure you want to challenge this on Madden when you would go and like, you'd be like it would be like for like something that you weren't even challenging. Yeah. No chance Louisville wins that. They lose the timeout. The next play, Jalen Lucas comes out, catches a 27-yard touchdown. And and just like that, Louisville's, you know, it's 21-7. Uh, Louisville comes back. They shank the punt on the next drive, only an 18-yard punt. Uh, Mark Vassett would have never. Uh, I'm just kidding. I love Brock Travelstead. Special he did miss the field goal, man. Re- special teams was really, really bad in this game. I mean, Brock, Brock Travelstead, he, he missed the 38-yard field goal, which, I mean, it's not a chip shot, but, I mean, it's it's not, like, a super long one. I mean, he and he had the, the shanked punt, which only went 18 yards. Uh they were ready for the onside field. They say they were ready for the onside kick. And going back and looking at it, I mean, they were lined up like they were ready to take an onside kick. They just ran the wrong way. It. Well, they ran the wrong way, man. It looked to me that as soon as he started to run, the guys kind of started to run back to block. Just enough hesitation to where that ball gets a second to bounce. Like that's all. That's all it takes on that. Well, I would what, be never thinking me. of that. You cannot pay me to be the front guy. On those onside kicks. Oh, you're just that you're you're the like the beaches. Oh, you're of Normandy. A dummy. Yeah, you're, you're the a first dummy. guy, man. We'll just we'll send you out there and good luck to they, you. They we literally all know have like three guys on kickoff that are designated on those onside kick plays, like just go and F somebody up. Like don't even like go for the ball, take three dudes out, that eliminates three players. And we're that, good. Go get that's a good strategy. That's all right, let's good. last last thing here. Uh let's talk about the defensive line and the goal line stuff. I feel like we can talk about those hand in hand. Defensive line, if you watch this game at home, maybe if you didn't, and you can go back, if you have YouTube TV, if you recorded the game, go back and watch the number of times Louisville defensive ends slipped and fell in this game right as they got to the quarterback at least four times. Ashton, buddy, we need to get you some new shoes because Ashton <laughs> fell three times, had probably two sacks that he was right there on. And look, don't get me wrong, man. Ashton balled in this game. Like he was everywhere throughout the entire time. But Ashton probably has two sacks, two or three sacks. Definitely. He left some on the table. I think I I think it's has to do with them bending around the tackle. So they'll bend they're they're running the hoop, is what they like to call it, right? Yeah, I don't know if you guys have ever seen mm-hmm. that at practice. Yeah, so they're running the hoop, dipping that inside shoulder, right? And whenever they're taught to come out on that in, that outside arm, they're taught to rip the back of the quarterback's arm. That's where you all always see that sack ball out. Mm-hmm. And it just seems like they're bending way too much, leaning too much, and try, and slipping and falling ultimately, ultimately and getting off balance. Because if you run that hoop and you get off balance, all it takes is the push of the shoulder for the tackle to really just put you, put you in the ground. And it doesn't take a lot of strength for them to put you in the ground whenever it is, you know, you're that off balance. It's correctable stuff, which is 
good, but we are leaving plays and sacks out there on the table, and it's hurting Jacob's sack update. Right. It, it it seems like these this defensive line and really the front seven in general is having the same problem that Louisville had in 2021. I mean, the whole talk was after that season was like, hey, the the defensive line and all the linebackers, they're getting this close. They're getting this close to, to getting a sack. They're getting this close to getting a tackle for loss. We just have to get them to get that next gear. And I feel like this unit is having a little bit of that same problem especially on the the edges it seems like the guys in the interior they're doing a relatively good job at forcing the pressure inside and getting the the guards and the centers to go back into the pocket what's been kind of concerning and this didn't just happen in the Indiana game this has happened a few quite a few times over the uh, course of the season Louisville has for some reason had a problem setting setting the edge defensively it seems like they either can't go off their blocks. They either way overshoot the the ball carrier, whether it's the quarterback or the running back, or they just they fall down. Like Vince said, it's I don't know why, but it seems like the edges. I don't want to say they're a complete. They're a non-factor because obviously they they they're guys that can ball, but they're not doing a great job as it pertains to actually getting off of their block and getting going after the ball. I, I want to see them, you know, get off the ball on the edges, uh, run the hoop, but, you know, try and long arm too at the same time. I don't know if what that, mean? that is where it's, nope. it's just stuffing them with that inside arm. You ever see JJ Watt, like just ride a guy back with that inside arm. Mm-hmm. Like, How's he doing that with one arm? Well, it's all, le- it's a leverage thing and all that hand placement for the D line and stuff. I think that would really help a lot with us. One, being able to set an edge and keep the outside arm free so that you can make a play if somebody was, were to try and get around you. But it's also going to help the quarter or not help the quarterback, but cause the quarterback to step up in the pocket. And, you know, at that point you can make a play off your deep, off your tackle, go up and under him, spin off of him or something else. I don't know, but I'm tired of having blue balls for a sec. That's you're not, you're not lying. And the, he wasn't, Ashton was not the only one. Jermaine Lole had a moment where he was right there, fell down. That's a big tree fall. Yeah, man, that would I, suck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he yeah. is right. <laughs> no, full speed. It's cool. Going. Hey, hey, hey! It, it is cool to see Jermaine out there playing. He's playing pretty well too. I, I he mean, is playing well. Yeah. I so. want to say this. I want to say this that you made a great point. Jared Dawson, Jermaine Lole, Ramon Purier, and Destel are balling. They yeah. are. Yeah. The, the guys on the interior are doing their job. They're getting. They're getting pressure because when you're a quarterback and you get pressure on the edge, if you get it on just one edge, all you have to do is just kind of move to the other side of the pocket. And if as long as you're not getting pressure in the middle, like you can still, for the most part, just kind of stay in the pocket and scan the field. If you're getting pressure directly in your face, you have to like yeah. to just reset your feet and go somewhere. You dare if if you contain the edge, there's nowhere to go. It's mm-hmm. you go straight back or on the ground. And that's yeah. a big reason why this Boston College game. I don't think it's going to be the blowout many people think it's going to be because. Thomas, sh- shut up, because Thomas Castellanos through the first three, well, really two and a half games of the season, I mean, he could have a stake as one of the better dual threat QBs in the conference right now because he, I, I watched some of the highlights from uh, the, the Florida State game. That dude has wheels. like He can really go. And if Louisville has trouble setting the edges again, there, this could be a day where Cassianos could potentially run for 100 yards. I mean, he damn near almost did it against Florida State, which is one of the best defenses in the nation. But, but on that goal line stop, like moving it, moving it forward and off the, 
edges and stuff. I mean, it's clear that we all know that they just need to stay on their feet more, contain the edge. And I mean, they're right there. If they're right there, they eventually will get home on some of these sacks. Well, they'll have like a five set game and we'll be like, finally, finally, it's mm-hmm. here. Right. Uh, the goal line stuff, though, I text you guys. I'm like, this is a how bad do you want it play? Like, this is, it's one of those plays that it's not, it could be a season defining play. You don't really think of it as a season defining play in the moment, but it could be later on down the road. But just being able to bend, don't break. TJ Quinn comes up with the hit. Stan Quan comes down and makes the play. I mean, that play is just the will to win. And uh, stuffing them in the backfield right there is half of it. You have to be able to stuff them in the backfield. And uh, it starts up front with the D-line getting a good push, creating those gaps for the linebackers to shoot through. Yeah, and I want to say on that play, one of the things that really stood out, I went back and I watched it probably two or three, four times, was – TJ Quinn reading the play. If you go, he stops, and it's a split second, a decision to go inside or to go outside. Where does he think the runner is going? And he he reads it perfectly, dives at those feet, and really prevents him from being able to get into the end zone. Then allows for Stan Clark to obviously come over the top and kind of make that play, man. I just – the defense, like when you look at the numbers, and we're going to talk about this in, in much more uh, in depth, talking about it with the, the game that's coming up weekend with Boston College, but when you look at the defense – they the numbers to me just don't tell the full story. They're 59th overall in total defense. They're 84th in passing yards allowed. Like that is to me that just seems silly. Uh, rushing defense, they're tied 42nd now. Red zone defense, they were one of the best in the country. They hadn't allowed any touchdowns or anything prior. Uh, that looks a little bit different after the weekend. Third down conversions, they're 48th in the country. Sacks, they're 126 in the country. 111th overall in tackles for loss. This is a very steady defense. They they bring their their lunch pails and their hard hats. They make the plays when they need to. That bend don't break mentality exists completely. But there is absolutely no havoc. There is no uh, there are no plays of uh, really going backwards. This defense doesn't create a lot of plays yet. Uh, they just they just hold, and that's fine. We can do that as long as you're scoring. As long as the offense is scoring, I feel okay with that. But this defense has the pieces. Like, And I texted Presley this real quick. I texted Presley this, and I'm not kidding you, okay? What this defense needs right now is a finisher. And when I say this, don't laugh because I'm serious. Mason Riger, they need the energy. No, they do. They absolutely do. They need that guy who is not like – there's no moment too big. There's no quarterback that's that's getting out of his way. Like somebody who's going to get tackles for losses, who's going to get sacks that starts to get the momentum going. Everyone feeds off of it. I really think they need an energizer right now to kind of get that group going. Or they just need like a, a they need to see that, you know, the ball go through the hoop type of moment. Like yeah. Ben said, a five sack game mm-hmm. would be wonderful this weekend. Um, I, I, I just, I, I think that stuff, it, it plays hand in hand. Like, I don't know, man. It, it just causes concern and make, it worries me later on down the road with what, what if the offense, I don't know if it gives me confidence or what? But what if the offense does end up showing another second half like it did, or a first half? They make you know they make those same mistakes that they made, and it's just I don't know. I don't know with the defense. Can they step up and make the big play when we need it? And they did at the goal line. But what happens whenever you know somebody's driving two minute? You know we need to get off the field. We're up by you know two points or whatever type deal. Mm-hmm. Stuff I don't know. Stuff just worries me. I'm a worrisome guy. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you, man. Luckily, the schedule kind of has has given Louisville the opportunity. Hey, to anytime get a you got Duke way. on the schedule, it's nice. 
we got a we had a Duke podcast reach out this week to ask if we want to have somebody come on, and I said Vince Lacoco is the man for the he plan. He will go. All right, last part here. We will get to it. There, there is no update. The Sack King update brought to you each week by Manscaped. Again, we cannot encourage you enough to use the code Pink Seats or Starting Five. That is starting with the number five at checkout. Save twenty percent off on your first order. Tons of great products there. Check that out. But in this this week's sack update, there's no update. That, the only update is that Manscaped is still fantastic. Repping the shirt tonight. Uh, definitely check them out. Check the website out, manscaped.com. Get yourself some ball deodorant. What are you That's doing? right. Get yourself like, some ball I mean, deodorant. I didn't realize how musty ball smelt until I got some ball deodorant. There you go, man. Look at that. So shout out to the quarterback hits. Not as important as the sacks, right? But want to give those guys some love this week. It, it gives the, the quarterback a message. Again, That's I right. hope this doesn't turn into penalties in the future of trying too hard to get a sack, and we're like, ah, oh, I just need to hit him, and we hit him late, and it costs us a penalty. Yeah, roughing the passer penalties, man. They're no fun, especially when you think that you've got the quarterback. And uh, get, But, hey, they still send a message, though. Sometimes I'll take that 15 yards for the quarterback to get hit. It just, like, again, it's like a free throw for a basketball player. You just need to see one go in before you start to feel a little confident. But, hey, speaking of feeling confident here, we're going to transition to the commercial break. On the other side, we're going to talk about Boston College. I feel confident, but I do have some qualms about this team for a couple of reasons. I think there's some interesting data here when looking at Boston College. Their schedule is drunk, man. They had one too many on the party deck because Boston College makes no sense on paper. But it will be an interesting game here in Louisville this weekend. But first, before we transition, fellas, it is tailgating season. We will be out there at the stadium on Saturday for a 3.30 midday sweat, mid-80s, sun beating down on your game. Time of the year where this is where boys become men, right? We separate ourselves in the children rankings for our fathers and our mothers. We really do. And, and men, unfortunately as Vince alluded to, become a little stinky. Like, it's just the way it goes. Uh, and if you're like me, you've put out all the stops to keep your boys fresh and maybe more importantly, stop your family jewels from chafing all sorts uh, during the summer and fall weather. To me, it's it's really interesting. More people put time into their appearance, put time into their, their wardrobe. Not enough men prioritize their balls. But at Manscaped, that is what they are here to do. They have got everything that you need from the ball deodorant to the shaving kits to the lawnmower 4.0 ball trimmer. They have got you covered. Manscaped.com is the place to be. Get prepared for cuffing season coming up now. You want to make sure, fellas, you're taking care of yourself manscaped.com is the place to do that use the code pink seats at checkout save yourself 20 percent off on that first order we will be right back on the other side to talk boston college Mets long distance lover we'll be right back All right, Matt, um, I know it's a conflicting weekend for you, buddy. Always sad to see Jeff Halfley come into town. He's not got the wearing... Donna Kelsey jersey on this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's half, half Malik Cunningham, half Phil Dracovic. <laughs> I love half that, man. A, but... Half A.J. Dillon. <laughs> yeah, half A.J. Dillon, half Chucky Williams, man. He's just a walking meme <laughs> is what he will be. But uh, Boston College, it's a really interesting um, series that has been going on between the two of them. Every time you think Louisville's going to win, Boston College wins. And every time you think Louisville's going to – or Boston College is going to win, Louisville wins. They've battled all the way back to 2017. 
when Boston College came in here and beat that Lamar team. They did it again, I think, in uh, 2019, 2020, 2021. We're back and forth games. So Boston College has been a, a relatively good opponent for Louisville, but they come in here with the drunkest schedule and results so far in college football. Let me just read this to you. The average fan who's not like Matt and keeps up with Boston College on the regular. They open the season with Northern Illinois. And that game goes to overtime. And ultimately, a bye game for Boston College in which they pay Northern Illinois to come to Boston College to Chestnut Hill on a Saturday for fall college football. They lose that game. They open the season 0-1. This is Jeff Halfley officially on the hot seat. They come back in week two, and if you don't think it could get any worse, it does just slightly. 31-28, a nail-biting win over Holy Cross. Holy Cross, guys. High school? An FCF school. That's right. No, high school. Louisville football team right here. They traveled up to Chestnut Hill for a Bishop Sycamore-type scrimmage. <laughs> week three, Florida State goes to Chestnut Hill. And when I tell you, I to- Matt, I told you this years ago, there is no place sleepier in the middle of fall than Chestnut Hill, Massachusetts. Like a team oh, can go up there it. and take it's a nap. Boring. It's it's horrible. That's part of the allure of Boston College. Like teams will come in here not ready to play you ever. Florida State goes in. They are winning this game at halftime. What was the score? Thir- 31 to 10 at one point. Mm-hmm. They win 31 to 29. Florida State walks out with a two-point victory. So you're talking about in three games. Florida State or Boston College is one and two with an eight point margin of of loss or victory. Like that's the scale for them this season. And what's really interesting about them to me is they're just a better Indiana. That's all they are. They're a better Indiana. Straight up. They got a better quarterback. Their weapons are not as dynamic with the wide receiving position, but Thomas Castellanos makes up for that. He, I mean, he has so far played his ass off. They do have Pat Garwell. They do have uh, a running back who I believe is a transfer, maybe was a backup last year, and Kai Robichaud. Um, so they have weapons. At wide receiver position, obviously, you don't replace Zay Flowers overnight, and the production has not been what you have had for them in years past. But Lewis Bond, Ryan O'Keefe, Jaden Williams, and Dino Tomlin. Can I can I interest you in a little Dino Tomlin? You know who his father is? Uh, Mike Tomlin? Mike Tomlin? Yeah. Good wow. guessing, fellas. Damn, I'm that. smart. So Dino Tomlin. <laughs> But here's the thing. Those weapons, they're 5'9", 5'10", 5'11", 5'11", respectively. There's not a lot of size, a lot of speed, but not a lot of size. Um, and overall, this team is just mid. They're mid. Uh, Florida State fell asleep. Don't you wheel. call Vinny De Palma mid. I, you know what? Shame on me, man. Shame on me. I repent. I need to go eat some gabagool right now to make up for it. Like, I forgot Vinny De Palma in his 14th season of college football. Jacob's not going to show up to the game on Saturday because he's going to be out with two broken legs. Vinny De Palma's crew is outside right now. They're waiting for me that I just disparaged him. Hey, whoa, whoa. What's, this, what's that there's, about? There's like How dare you besmirch the Boston college, college name? Right <laughs> Listening to this, and like, whoa, hey, hey, in the middle of that right there. Yeah, but Vinny De Palma is still doing his thing. 28 tackles. Just getting tackles, man. Just helping bring guys down after a Consistent. game in a 13. Consistent. That's right. And then they have they have this, okay? And I look, I, I'm here for not being disrespectful of people's names, but that Jack Fago, we we just all assume that fans made fun of his names from opposing teams, right? Like there's no way you don't. Like that's just what happens with a name like that. For Boston College, they have a fellow whose first name, how would you all pronounce this? S H I T T A. How would you? Is that Shitta? Yeah, Shitta. Is that, is that Shitta? That's Shitta. 
I know I've heard that name act correctly pronounced before, but I can't remember how you do it. <laughs> how should I? Like I've I've been. I, I think that might be it, okay. but Shitta is better, man. We just got to roll with that one. But Boston College doesn't have much of a, a disruptive defense when you're talking about them as a team overall. They they've been solid in moments. Obviously, they gave up a monster second half um, uh, to Northern Illinois there, um, and, and really were with Florida State allowed them to to ultimately sneak that one out and win that one after, you know, getting up to that big start early in the first half. But this is a team that if you, even on the road, we've seen them come in here before and, and frazzle Louisville, they can do that. And Matt's feeding them advice. This is wakey leaks. The Matt McGat. I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. Totally kidding. Totally kidding. Totally. But uh, in all seriousness, no guys, I do think that this is a game that um, Louisville essentially gets to kind of right the wrongs from Indiana one week later. They are very similar teams. I would imagine their strategies are going to be kind of similar in getting the ball uh, in short yardage situations to wide receivers or just short, short yard throws and allowing them to make plays with their speed, their size. And then Castellanos, as Vince mentioned, man, if you can't stop the run in this game, he's going to torch Louisville, and he can also throw. Matt, you you alluded to him being one of the kind of surprises in terms of the quarterback so far in the ACC. I mean, his numbers are definitely not anything that are great, but uh, so far he's thrown for five touchdowns um, and only two interceptions, I believe. And so, you know, I get that the team has kind of struggled, but if you take – that away and look at Castellano. So he's done enough for them to win all three of those games, to be quite honest. Yeah, no, this is, this is the exact kind of game where if you don't take them seriously, and fortunately Louisville up to this point, hasn't demonstrated that they are looking past an opponent. I mean, we saw it against Murray state. They didn't look like they were sleepwalking against them, but if you give Boston college an opportunity to beat you offensively, especially with Castellanos, I mean, they, they could burn you. Because especially with, like I uh, mentioned earlier, if Louisville has trouble setting the edges, he, he might have a field day running the ball. And plus, I mean, while he doesn't, he's got an, an underrated arm as it pertains to, you know, throwing strength. And when I watched some of the film on the Florida State game, I mean, his, his decision making was pretty good with the, with uh, throwing the football as well. So this is this is someone who's obviously not going to get a ton of love because he only just stepped into the starting role and. Plus, the ACC is chock full of you know upper tier quarterbacks, but this this is a guy that Louisville should absolutely take seriously. And plus, the Boston College offensive line, it's not the offensive line it was last year. Last year's offensive line for BC was absolute dog shit. This line is not absolute dog shit. This line is actually pretty good. And Christian Mahogany, it's an offensive line name. That's, that's an offensive. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. an offensive line Jacobs, name right there. That's an instance where you're talking back backflips and stuff. That's an instance where you offer a guy strictly off name. <laughs> yeah, and and this is a guy who's going to be like a, who's projected to be a first or second round NFL pick. And this was surprised. This was before last season when he was out for the seasons. And like this is a guy who has experience and talent and is leading a pretty good offensive line. And I mean the the skill position guys are, you know, they're not bad not terrible they're not great they, but they can kill you if you let them now defensively boston college just looking at the numbers the front seven they've got talent they've got experience but oddly enough they've really not been super disruptive up front they're only they're kind of in the same boat as louisville is in terms of not generating sacks and tackles for loss in fact they're actually a little bit worse a little bit worse they're 126 of the nation in sacks, 128th in tackles for loss, and they're allowing 187 rushing yards a game, which is 115th. 
So this is not the typical Boston College that we've seen in years past where they have a really stout defense, especially in the front seven. Secondary, on the other hand, they've looked really good. They're top 25 in uh, passing defense. They force, I think, three or four fumbles up to this point. This is a secondary who's not only great in coverage, but they've, they've shown that they're pretty physical as well. So the receivers, especially Jamari Thrash, and, you know, feed the studs, he's going to have to play a really good game. Otherwise, like if he gets bottled up and the other guys can't get going in replace of that, it could be a long day offensively, even if Jawar Jordan is able to get going on the ground. Here's where I'm at. There's a couple of big, big things to watch in this game. One, can Jack Plummer take advantage of the fact that there's just about no pass rush from this team? They are a team that pretty much, if I'm not mistaken, rushes just their front four majority of the time. They'll occasionally throw a linebacker in there. Pretty but much, it's their yeah. defensive ends who are going to get you. Don't see a ton of pressure coming from this team. They're not a, a great front four by any means compared to what they have been in years past. And it just takes looking at the rushing defense to tell you that right. 115th in the country. That's, that's not Matt football. That's not BC football. We don't do that around here as a golden Eagle. That's not how that, that operates. Um, secondly, can Jawar Jordan and Louisville's running game just dominate this game? I think the answer is yes. And you'll see that in my prediction. I just, I just don't think that this team is going to show up and all of a sudden be able to stop a running game that is nearly unstoppable. I mean, this, this running offense, I, I was going to say this earlier, but they're, would you have guessed by any means this season that Louisville would have the fourth best rushing offense in the country? I mean, maybe Vince, because nope. kudos to yes. Vince. Vince said all offseason, yes. this is the most talented group of running backs that he's ever had. They said that on the broadcast, too. Uh, and I believe that Jeff Brown probably gave them that nugget. Uh, so I'll, I'll believe that. Yeah, they probably That's right. Yeah. No, I should have led with that. Yeah. They listened to the show. They They don't pick the ball off. They have four turnovers, all fumble. So, I mean, really our team, I mean, Louisville has not fumbled the ball a ton this season. They've done a good job of holding on to the football. Um, and the third thing being, they are terrible. Well, there are, there's two more things. Third thing being, they're terrible at third down, 105th in the country. It's stopping third down offenses. Louisville, Louisville's not good on third down, but Louisville should win that battle. You should see that battle won and feel confident about that. Fourth thing is Boston College is going to commit a penalty probably like on every other play. They are the worst team. They are 130th out of 130 teams in the country in committing penalties. The fact that they have 38 penalties in three games, that is an average of almost 13 penalties a game. The fact that they committed 18 penalties and still nearly upset Florida State is mind-blowing. Bro, that is just like – I'm puking thinking about the up-downs. They're doing the ball is the <laughs> like, most man. I mean, can y'all man, coaches punish you for that stuff? They it's not should. Like a, it's not like a oh, we go to the meeting room and yeah, you get your ass ripped, and it's not, you know, we leave and it's done right there. No, like Mike Siriano made them boys do up downs after every every single Sunday practice. So not only have you just went through a game. You're sore as hell. You're tired. You just got your ass ripped in a film room. Now you got to go do 150 up-downs because you made 150 freaking penalties. Yeah, I can guarantee you on the other side of the ball, though, the game plan for Boston College is going to be let's make sure Thomas Castellanos is in his back. However we have to do it, he is not a very accurate passer. On the season, he's only 59.5% passing. Boston College is a team – and some of this is by the backups. But when you look at them from a completion standpoint, they're 98th in the country in completion percentage from the passing game. They're not an overly accurate team passing the ball. Um, and so they're going to want to get short completions, want to get big gains, uh, and really make sure that they get that confidence building. And one reason that Louisville fans should worry a little bit about that is 
there have been a ton of big plays from this BC offense. You just look at the game last week. They have a 52-yarder. They have a 45-yard run, a 52-yard pass, 45-yard run, 42-yard pass, 35-yard pass, 28-yard pass. And that there, there were several other runs of you know 12, 14, 16 yards. So you're talking about the ability of an offense. If a defense is not woke, they're not ready to go, they're in, they're in uh, Chestnut Hill mindset and not in Louisville in front of 45,000 fans drinking in the middle of the day on their way to Louder Than Life shortly thereafter. They're not in that mindset. This is a team that can take advantage of them running the ball or throwing it to their speedy weapons. Again, all of their wide receivers, their top four wide receivers, along of 42, along of 38, along of 47, along of 52, they all have, make big plays. So Louisville's got to come ready to go. Um, and this is an offense that uh, really doesn't give up sacks, as Matt, Matt, Matt mentioned. So sack update next week, man. It's going to be interesting to see. Can uh, can Ashton, uh, can the guys, you know, Jeff Clark played well this past week, and he's a guy I didn't mention earlier. But can these guys, can they take this challenge of Boston College being one of the best offensive lines in terms of protecting the quarterback and and do something with it? We'll see. Uh, what do you all think overall about this game? Not not in necessarily in predictions, but just in terms of the confidence meter in Louisville. Like, is this a game where you feel like it's played Louisville as a W, or it's a you know Louisville's going to get blown out? I, I I'm confident. I I think they'll 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 win, but I'm not sure they cover because now the spread's at 14 because we don't really know which. Louisville team this is because they've been so up and down they've been so inconsistent there have been times where the offense and the defense are clicking and they look damn near unstoppable there are times when the offense can't seem to really get going and the defense can't seem to get pressure up front or someone's got a busted coverage or an MA on the back end and then the other team's just driving down the field granted we've seen the latter part way less than we've seen the former but Louisville has shown this inconsistency enough that we still don't have a good idea as to what this team really is. Now, granted, 3 0 is 3 0. Not going to complain about that. But that doesn't say that there's nothing to, to complain about or nothing to have to raise concerns about because there very much are concerns to be raised and there are very much things that need to be corrected on this team moving forward, especially before the second half of the season where the rubber really hits the road and the schedule really it's difficult so i'm think i'm confident it's a win i'm not confident that's going to be a comfortable win though i see matt what you said right there just has me thinking of like whenever people ask me about this team i'm i, I answer i don't know every single time because i mean you really just don't know like tech isn't a good test uh, it's a good week one win. Murray is Murray. You're supposed to win that. Did your job. And, you know, IU really isn't a good test. Now, both those games are at a, you know, neutral site, quote unquote. And I, I just, I can't wait to see this team. I don't know, man. It's it's like they faced adversity last game with the, 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 the goal line stand and stuff like that. Ben don't break with the defense and everything. Uh, I'm fairly confident in our guys against this one. Uh, against Boston College, though, I I just think, uh, uh, man, I think Jaws is going to have a game, and I think Jeff is realizing, you know, I can really hammer this run game and almost play my pass game, or I mean, like you're supposed to do, play action pass, play just mirror your pass game off your run game. 
And uh, I think he's really having fun with having three guys he can go to at uh, at the running back position like he's never had before. Is anything Jeff Brom had to say interesting about going up against Boston College or anything that stood out to you that maybe you heard in your uh, your favorite love coaches media availability this week? I actually did not listen to Halfley this week, but Brom, they, the Jeffs. I know, right? Brom, uh, they they talked a lot about just trying to contain Cassianos. It seems like any of the uh, the talk about Boston College really centered around him, which I mean, I get it. I mean, because it seems like with how Cassianos has played the last few uh, couple of games, maybe BC fans have a reason to be sort of optimistic because he certainly looked a lot better than Emmett Moorhead. That's for damn sure. All right. Well, let's talk about predictions. It's been a, it's been an interesting week. We got a little bit of movement here, some separation, at least for some of us, unfortunately, the one who's had issues uh, predicting games has fallen behind, but Hey, still early, a lot of time to rebound. We headed into last week with everybody tied at two. Uh, and we asked for a score and rushing touchdowns, number of rushing t- touchdowns last week. Presley, myself, Matt, Vince, all of us predicted the score correctly. We all get a point for that. Myself, Matt, Presley, we all predicted the number of rushing touchdowns. Vince just off slightly. Uh, but uh, it's four, four to four to three. If you're keeping track at home with Presley, myself, and Matt tied at the top of the leader box. This week, we will go for a score prediction for Louisville versus Boston College. And we've transit, we, we switched it up here a little bit. Vince dropped in the chat a, a different idea. We were going to predict the number of Boston College penalties, which is hilarious just to think about. I still, <laughs> we might I still, still do that. One. Might still do that. <laughs> yeah, we might still. still. Yeah. Uh, we'll do but, <laughs> but instead, for points this week, that one will be just to maybe get you some confidence, Vince. Yeah. A layup for you. <laughs> uh, but this week, we will predict the score and the first player in the game to get a sack. So, so hopefully, there's more than one player. That's what we're predicting here. Hopefully. But we'll start with the first one to get a sack. And I will go first. I told you guys I feel good about this one with Louisville. I just think the run game is going to be too much for Louisville. Jack's going to have the opportunity to hopefully have a little bit of a cleaner pocket. Even Indiana with Aaron Casey, man, they were getting after him a little bit. It was mostly putting a hand in his face when he was throwing, and they made some throws a little challenging. But uh, Boston College, as I said, not really disruptive. I'm predicting Louisville (laughs) takes this win 34-21. I think Castellanos will have his moments. He'll probably score on a big play. We've seen even uh, uh, the quarterback at Murray State take advantage of Louisville's secondary at times. So opportunity to score. I'm going Louisville 34-21. My first sack uh, selection will be Jared Dawson. He will enter the sack king party uh, this weekend in Louisville. Vince, what do you got, man? I am going 31-14. Cards winning. And I am going to go with my Trinity brethren, Stephen Heron, getting a sack this weekend. I Like I said prior, I want to see Jaws. Running backs have a big game. Uh, I really want to see Jack obviously get a little bit more consistent and defensively, man, I want to, I want to see some more turnovers along with the sacks. Like I just mm. want to see more. I just want to see it all. Just yeah. win by 50. Let's do it. I mean, it. you can. BC is the one you can do it against. Sorry, Matt. Mm-hmm. Maybe. BC I hope you're win, right. BC winning 35 to two. We'll <laughs> get some safety. Bill Jacoby come back and throw 350 yards. Phil Jerkovich might not even throw for 350 inches. 
He is terrible. terrible I've never seen a player, and shout out to Beanie Bishop, the Louisville native. I've never seen a player say that another player was not good at his job. That is so funny. Maybe the funniest thing of the college football weekend. I mean, he's he's not wrong. He's not good. I'm going to go Louisville 35-24. I think the offense, they might struggle – passing the ball at points, but they should get more than enough rushing and the offense they'll the uh the Boston College offense they might threaten some, but I think in, inevitably the defense prevails towards the end. Um I think the first person to get a sack, I'm gonna go Jermaine Lolay. He's played really well to start the season. He's starting to get more involved in the defensive line rotation. Actually um quick trivia um who is um let me ref- let me rephrase that where does Lole rank on this team in pass rush snaps so far this season? Who second? Third. It's Ooh. behind only Gelati and Heron, the two guys on the edge. The uh, the he's got a uh, sixty-one pass rush snaps on the season behind Heron sixty-two and Gelati seventy-eight. So with all all that experience he's getting and all that reps he's getting, I think it's only a matter of time before he's able to find a uh, pay dirt. Well, wanna... you have to do the haka if he does get a sack for content. <laughs> Only for the content. Totally here for that, man. All right. Last prediction of the night. Press joining us again from another state. I think he's in Arizona maybe once again or Texas. One of those states in the south of the deserts. Uh, He is going 42 to 38. What a score, man. We are in for another one of those barn burners in Cardinal Stadium with Boston College. If that's the case, man, I'm going to be drunk as hell if it's 42 to 38, man. I will be sweating uh, but I'll have Manscaped, though, so I'll be good to go. I won't stink. Yes. My wife won't All be too worried. Deodorant. That's right, man. But uh, he's got Stephen Heron as well, going with his uh, his Trinity uh, counterpart. But I feel like maybe that's in spite of the fact that Trinity did just lose to Mail this past weekend in high we're school. All, well, we're moving off that. It's the, most, <laughs> we, we're, it's the most important week of the year. It is 30,000 people in Cardinal Stadium on a Friday night to watch Santa Trinity game. Is that this weekend? That'll be this Friday. Oh, man. Look at that. Mm-hmm. A little double dip at Cardinal Stadium. You, you'll probably you. hear Tackle Made by Nick LaCoco. And yes, that is my cousin. Well, that's going to wrap the show up here. Another great episode on From the Pink Seats podcast. Can't thank you all enough for tuning in. Uh, subscribe anywhere you get your shows from. Follow us on Twitter, as I mentioned, at Pink Seats Pod, at UofL Report, at the State of Blue. Oh. Yes. Well, thanks. Did you guys see the score of Cincinnati versus Miami of Ohio? I did. I did. <laughs> yes. How I've, about that? I have can't, certainly can't felt bring that, that way. up. I'm sorry. Everybody was waiting for this at the beginning of the show. That's right. We probably should have talked about it. that. Should have been on the list of the funniest things from That's the weekend. Crazy, yeah, they paid a million dollars to get their butts beat. I mean, come wow. on now. They haven't lost in Nippert Stadium in what, like three years or something like that. I mean, it's just stupid. Something I'm really crazy. surprised that the red zone offense isn't doing that well, or that they lost to a rival. Man, hate to see it. I wonder what he said hey, to the coach at Miami, Ohio at halftime, man. <laughs> think he threw the, the U down at him? You think the he threw press it? conference was so was like cut and paste. So. Oh man, yeah. It really just, was. And I love how the angle of the camera was only like from his like neck up, so it's just only face facial expressions that you're getting to see and his little clammy hands like just like gripping the podium. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we've all been there, man. It's uh it's no fun when you have five opportunities to score or whatever it is on one drive in the on the goal line and you somehow you can't you can't punch it in. But hey, we don't have that problem here. 
We're not the best team on third down, but we're certainly not uh, not hurting for passing situations. Exciting weekend for Louisville. Cincinnati, hope they lose again. I don't know who they play this weekend. Is anybody now? Boomer Sooner. Boomer oh, Sooner. They play, they play Oklahoma. Dylan Gabriel's yeah. Dylan Gabriel revenge game. <laughs> Dylan Gabriel revenge game. Let's go. That'll wrap it up here. We'll catch you all next week. Until then, go Cards. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.